Anyway, let's jump into the uh, message for today. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. We'll read a little scripture, and then we're going to unpack it, and we're going to talk about this today. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. It says, One day, as the crowds were pressing close to him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, or Genesaret, however you want to say it. It doesn't matter. It's a place in the Bible. He saw two boats moored by the land, and the fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And then he sat down in the boat and began to teach the crowd. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deeper part and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus wanted to go fishing. And every dude that likes to fish would say, amen right there. Come on, say it, fellas. Amen. That was a weak amen, by the way. Verse 5, Master Master replied, Simon, we were working hard all night and caught nothing at all. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did so, they caught such a huge number of fish that their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink. That's a lot of fish, y'all. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Go away, he said. Leave me, Lord. I'm a sinner. He and all his companions were gripped with amazement at the catch of fish they had taken. This included James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Don't be afraid, said Jesus to Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. I love that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. For our opportunity to gather today, thank you, Lord, for this this section section of Scripture, Lord, that that we're looking at that's going to help us to learn the value of coming together, working together, working with you. And, Lord, I just pray that as we share it today, Father, it'll be more than just a lesson for our ears, but, Father, it will grab our hearts and compel us, Father, to not just be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of of it as well. So, Lord, I ask for your help today in communicating this, Father. Lord, let it be said in the right tone. Let it be said in such a manner, Father, that it provokes us, Lord, to step out in faith and be the men and women of God that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to think for a second about all the different issues, different needs, all the different desires, dreams, struggles, sin, all the different things that are going on in our, li- in our lives, really whenever we get down to the bottom of it, it points us to our need for Jesus. I, I, I think every person in here has had some situation, something occur in their lives personally, or maybe in the, the, the lives of someone in their family, where if, if at one point they were not dependent on God, they were put into a position to where it was, we need to pray because we need God's help. Am I talking to the right people Today, you ever been in that situation before where everything was going good and maybe something occurred and it's like, oh my God, we need help and so let's call out to Jesus. And so most of the time, it puts us in a state of thinking, Jesus and me. Jesus, come, help me. Anybody prayed that prayer this week? Jesus, you better help me. Jesus, you better come and help me. I'm about to do something I'm going to have to repent about. You better help me. But I want to pose this to you today. What if we're limiting what God can do in our lives because our predominant thought has become Jesus and me? 
Like, what if, what if we're, we're missing something because the, the thought is, Jesus, help me. And as we go through this series, I'm hoping that we can open and broaden our perspective to see that it's not just Jesus and me, but it's Jesus and we. we got to change that me to a we. And let me ask it this way. What if all the things, what if there's some things that God wants to do in me, but it's connected to Jesus and we? What if there are things that you're praying for God to do in your life specifically, and you're just so sold out to the thought of Jesus and me, and you're, you're, you're almost like resistant to anything that may include others, that may include a group of people, that may include uh, a church, a congregation, because I don't do that. Or because that's just not me. That's not like me. And Jesus is like, you want me to work in your life. And so I'm going to work in your life. But it's going to be through people. It's going to be through some people. Now, I know right here you're saying, but wait. That's the way he left the 99 for the one. And Jesus is leaving the 99 for me because he loves me. I know that. And we sing the reckless love song, how he leaves the 99 for the one. I need you to know, a lot of y'all who thinks he's still leaving the 99 for the one, you found. You are found. So quit acting like you're desperate all out there in left field. You found. He already found you. Anyway, I just had to get out of my chest. He left the 99 for the one, but he gave his life for all. Like, that's what you have to know. I've, hear, I've heard people say stuff like, I'm God's favorite. I'm going to pop that bubble right now. No, you're not. I'll go southern on you. No, you ain't. Look at your neighbor and say, no, you ain't. But clean it up and say, but you're my favorite. Clean it up. So listen. <laughs> they both looked at one person. All right. <laughs> he, he died for us all. He's building the church. Okay? And the church is the gathering of believers and he's soon to return watch this not just for me but for we not just for me but for we so let's set this up let's go back to the scripture all right so you got verse three jesus gets into simon's boat and so simon at this point is saying hey jesus and me got in the boat or let's change it let's talk let's throw it cajun me and jesus got in the boat me and Jesus, we got in the boat. So at this point, Simon's just excited. Hey, man, Jesus is in my boat. And that's how a lot of us are. It's like, Jesus, come into my life, which is like, get into my boat. Jesus, come get up in my situations and clean it all up and make it all better. Jesus, come in. Jesus, come into my workplace and clean this place out. Come on. I know y'all pray that stuff. Your co-workers told me. That was in verse 3. But when you keep reading in verse 7, it wasn't just Jesus and me anymore. Because when Jesus was in Simon's boat, Jesus gave him an assignment. Let's go fishing. Simon said, we already fished. We caught nothing. Jesus probably was saying, that's because you didn't invite me to go on that fishing trip. And I need you to know, a lot of you in here, the reason you ain't catching anything on your fishing trip is because you haven't invited me. <laughs> Just going to slide that in there. 
Don't believe that one guy. He's here. He'll sell you. I can't. I'm bad luck. Ain't sure. <laughs> Jesus got in Simon's boat. That's how it started. It's got to feel pretty good when Jesus gets in your boat. But when Jesus begins to instruct you in a way, watch this, that doesn't turn you from me, but leads you from me to we. This is what you have to see. Jesus is leading him from a place where it's all about me to a place of realizing that all the things that benefit me is going to come through a group of we. Remember in the garden when God created man and woman? He said something like, it's not good for man to be alone. And I found that a lot of times in our lives, we're trying to handle things alone. Take on the biggest challenges of our lives alone because we don't want people to think there's anything wrong with me. I don't want you to think that I got an issue, so I'm going to pretend like I don't have an issue. And it becomes even more obvious. It's kind of like a person who goes out and they want to go dancing. Like if I tried to go out and go dancing, it would be very obvious that dude does not need to be dancing. But sometimes we don't believe that we can't dance. And so we get out there and we start breaking it down. And everybody knows, usually, but the guy who's out there just cutting it up by himself. Cynthia's over there like, somebody stop him. Oh. How many of y'all ever been that person before? You were at that wedding, and you decided, I'm just going to go with it, man. You're out there dancing. Everybody, just, everybody else cleared out the way, and you thought it was because you were so good. <laughs> and it wasn't because you were good. It was like, what is he doing? And everybody's got their phones out and they're videoing. <laughs> yeah. So watch this. Peter, Simon Peter went fishing that night, caught nothing. It's not a good night if you're a commercial fisherman and you don't catch anything because that's how you get, that's like how you get paid. That's your living. So Jesus now, because he understands, look, I'm going to use this boat. I'm preaching a little bit, but hey, while we're out here, let's help you make some money. And so Jesus instructs Simon, go ahead and throw your nets out and we're going to catch some fish. I mean, we're out here, might as well fish. Am I right? Oh, but Lord, we haven't caught anything. Look, man, just let's fish. So he throws his net out on the other side of the boat. And even though it's a Jesus and me moment, at that point he goes from Jesus and me to Jesus and we because his, this miracle is so great. Watch this. It's so great that Jesus and me isn't enough to contain it. It isn't enough to celebrate it. It isn't enough just me and Jesus. And Jesus put him in the position so where it wasn't just them two, but it was all y'all. In fact, I almost called the series Jesus and All Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus and All Y'all. They had so many fish that they were trying to bring into the boat that they had to signal the other guys to come and help. I need you to know that's a good day of fishing whenever you're willing to tell everybody this is where the fish are. Because every dude that fishes, they don't tell people where they're catching them. No, it's over there on that side. And you fished there last time, caught nothing. You told your buddy to go there because you're protecting your spot. And at this point, it is so much. They're not protecting their spot. It's, we need help. 
We need some partners. We, we, we need some friends. And so now Jesus is bringing him to the place of Jesus and we. The miracle he had for him, the miracle that Jesus had for Simon Peter, for him, turned into a miracle. Watch this for them. I need you to hear that again. The miracle he had for him turned into the miracle he had for them. That means the potential of what God can do in your life won't just affect you, but it will affect others all around you. See, Jesus is good like that. Cannot be contained with one person. And that's why I say this mindset of just Jesus and me is limiting what God can do, not just in your life, but possibly other people's lives. Whenever we resist and we, we, we just camp out in our own preferences, when we camp out in our own ways of doing things and say, Jesus, the only way you can work in my life is just through you and me. That's it. I don't do all that other stuff. Jesus is saying, you're tying my hands. You're tying my hands. I know. I know the argument. But when you come to God, it's just you and God. And when you stand before him one day on judgment day, it's just you and God. That's when you're standing before God. But right now, y'all all need help. And so do I. Somebody help a brother out. Amen? It would be terrible to try to do this by myself. It would be awful. That's why people are dying spiritually. Because they're trying to do it all by themselves. And I know that there are people in this room. You're walking through things all by yourself. And I know you're praying. Jesus and me. We got this. Jesus and me, we got this. And God keeps bringing people into your lives. That person that's done asked you three times to be in their e-group. God sent them. Thank you. Some of y'all are like, no, you didn't. Yes, he did. You're like, God, give me a sign. Send me a friend. They keep coming. Hey, come to my e-group. God, give me a sign. Come to my e-group. Oh, that ain't God. looks like Jesus ain't in your boat there. So we get used to putting our nets down on the me side of our life and catching little that we don't realize the joy, the fulfillment, the miracles, and the best that is yet to come is found on the we side. It's found on the we side. It's amazing how Jesus said that when two or more gather in my name, that when two or more pray, touch, and agree, and believe, things begin to happen. What does he point to? He's trying to get your attention. Can we just state the obvious? He's trying to tell you it ain't just Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. And if you need it, like Southern version, Jesus and all y'all. Cajun would be Jesus and them. If you keep reading this story, this is what you notice. Simon Peter repented and found his calling, which was fishing for people. And that didn't happen when it was just Jesus and me in the boat. This happens after all the partners had gathered around to pull in the nets. Now Jesus is like, hey man, I'm going to do something with your life. Because you've been fishing, but now you're going to fish for people. And Simon Peter's like, oh, I'm not good enough for all that. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Get away from me. I'm not good at it. Now he wants to get him out the boat. Seriously, we read it. 
get away from me, Lord. She's like, I can't. We're on the water. But I can walk on the water. What if there are things that God wants to do in me and with me that is connected to Jesus and we? So here's what we know. Let's break this down. Here's what we know. We do go faster by ourselves. Like when you don't have to wait on anybody, you get there a lot quicker. Seriously. Like if you don't have anybody coming with you, you're going to get there. And I know every wife right now is looking at her husband. Don't do that. We're just ready, ready to roll. We go faster by ourselves, but we go further together. Think of this. And look, I'll just go ahead and address it. We got a lot of impatient people. We're impatient with what God is trying to do in our life because we just expect God to come and do something when God is trying to build something in our lives. Listen, if you hire a contractor to build something for you, it's not going to be done the next day. And if it is, you probably shouldn't pay that guy because it's going to fall apart. It's a process. And it takes time to be built. A lot of times we don't have the patience because we want everything faster. We want it now. And so we don't know how to wait on the Lord. And when we don't know how to wait on the Lord, we don't have any strength. They that wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Because it's a process of growing and building. And I would say this, we weren't designed to go solo. God did not design us to live this life for him, just Jesus and me. We were created for relationships. You were cre- I'm not a relationship person. I just do me. You lying. It's convenient to do me, but it's boring to do me. And you turn into somebody you didn't want to be when it's just me. That's why you need some we in your life. God never intended for us to do life alone. Look at Jesus. There's anybody that could have done it all by himself. It could have been Jesus. Am I right? I don't know. We get a glimpse out of the frustration of Jesus when you read verses like, how long must I put up with you? Sounds like parenting. But Jesus, even though he is God in the flesh, he didn't go solo. He brought some guys around him. He brought some people around him to do life with because he knew if I can affect the we, then we can keep affecting the masses. So he brings these people into his life. I just wonder, are you willing to bring some people into your life? See, Jesus, he's building his church. And I know we like to say, I am the church, but you gotta, you got to say that in context. The context of I am the church is we are the church. Because the church is, watch this, the gathering of believers. It's the gathering of those who have chosen to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not just the one. I know he left the 99 for the one. Reckless love, all that stuff, I know that. But he did it for all of us. And he's building us all into one to be united together as his 
church. He's building a spiritual family. He's building a faith community. And I want to throw this one at you because sometimes I feel like we're getting a little soft with our language whenever we describe the church. You have to understand the church isn't just a spiritual family, but it is the army of God. Come on, you got to clap for that. Because we're not just coffee house contemplators of all that Jesus has done. But we are carriers. you got to hear this. We are carriers of truth in this world. We are the light of this world. Come on, I need somebody to hear what I'm saying. We're not just barely making it and checking out all of our doubts. Because we do have doubts, but we also got some real faith in God. And so I'm not just a family of believers, a community of faith. I am in the army of God, and we were made to advance. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Come on. This is the church. Some of you are like, I don't like that. That sounds aggressive. Listen, the enemy, he roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And while we're contemplating and acting like there is no forward movement because we're trying to search and discover, we're missing out that God calls us to move forward. Come on, to move forward. To move forward. And I'm speaking this over someone's life today. It's time to move forward. It's time. It's time to move forward. So watch this. He's saving a bunch of me's and bringing them together as the church of we's. To reach more me's. I know. So I thought of it this way. You know, it's better to sing, we are the champions, than me are the champion. That just sounds wrong. Am I right? Is there anyone in here with any kind of degree in English, literature, anything like that? Me are the champion. That's wrong. Am I right? Look at your name and just say it's wrong. Oh, and so right here, this is where that person pops up and says, what about all I do is win, 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 can't spell win without I. Well, you can't spell sin without I either. Think about this. I mean, come on. If we're going to go down that road, let's get to it. But watch this. You can't spell Jesus without us. Come on. That's what he's doing. So let's talk about how we're going to change from me to we. Now, let me say this. Before you even put a point up on the screen, because I know y'all ready to fill in a little blanks. Hold up. <laughs> Just tell me what I got to do, Pastor Wade. And I'll do it until you don't agree with the point. Okay. <laughs> this is a maturing process. Key word there, maturing. You got caught up on process, but the key word there is maturing. That means you have to grow into this. This isn't one of those, I will just go and do this because, trust me, the me is going to be revealed. The me is going to be revealed. The selfish intentions are going to come out through this process. So here's here's the progression, okay? God has already done something for me. It's already been done. He's already done something. He sent Jesus to the cross. To save you. Not just for you, but for all. And a lot of times we keep our salvation 
to ourselves while friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors are dying. They're lost. And we're just keeping our faith to ourselves because we've been led to believe that's your personal prerogative, that's your privacy, that's your thing. I need you to know Jesus isn't private. I know you got guidelines, but it's also in your guidelines that you don't drink alcohol at work, but yet you go after work and you consume alcohol. That's not in the guidelines and you're doing it. Touch your neighbor and say, who is he talking to? Come on. It's amazing how we invite people to go do things, but we miss out on opportunities. Come on to change somebody's life. Create relationships, connect, and it turns into guys hunting, ladies beach weekend. Oh, no. Come on. But what about while you're on the hunting trip and while you're at the beach weekend, share what God's done in your life with them. When you're at the ball game and you're tailgating before, share what God's doing in your life. It's not a preaching session. All it is is, hey, dude, what's going on in my life? What's going on in yours? That's it. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to say, oh, Christians are judgmental. You don't have to be judgmental telling people what God's done in your life. If you are, we can help you. Okay? But think about what God has done for us already. He already sent Jesus to pay the price for all sins. It's already paid for. He's already paved the way for healing. He's already made the way for redemption. God's already done something for you. So this is the me stage. Okay, this is where a lot of times we stay because it's like God still hasn't done this yet. God still hasn't done something yet. So we're view, our view is God's doing something for me. The next step, number two, is God wants to do something, watch this, in me. In me. And this is a tough one because this is where God starts knocking on the door and messing with things like your opinion. Woo, it was good. When he was saving me, but when he wants to sanctify me, that's where I'm having some issues. Because I am who I am. Took me years to get this way. <laughs> but there's a sanctification process. And honestly, this is where he wants to heal your soul and set you free from some things. See, now the progression is going not just for me, but now it's what he's doing in me. This is where the change begins to happen. And a lot of times we won't allow God to heal us. Because the healing comes in the form of opening ourselves. Getting set free comes in the form of opening ourselves up. And our pride says don't do that. So we close up. We stay at arm contact, uh, arm's length. We'll come to church. We'll worship. But we won't get involved. We won't make this our church. So whenever we talk about it, that's y'all's church, their church, your church. When I come to your church, you know what I love hearing when people say, this is our church. I love what God's doing in our church. Because it's not because you are a part of something that I'm a part of. It's because you're stepping past that first stage of just Jesus and me. And you're stepping towards the stage of Jesus and we. And that means God's getting ready to do something in your life that he would not do with just you and him. It's bigger. The miracle is too much just for you and him. There's other people that need to be a part of it. 
So here's the third one. God has plans to do something through me. Somebody was predicting that was going to be the next one. I could tell. Somebody just made a face like, I knew that was it. (laughs) God has plans to do something through me. To serve his purpose. Watch this. To do something for him and do something for them. See, Simon Peter is going to make bank off of that fishing trip. But all of his partners are going to make bank too. And I can tell you this, when God moves in a church, when God moves in a city, when God moves in people's lives, it's not just what's happening to that person, but it's what God begins to do in that person that begins to flow through that person that affects people's lives around them. That's why whenever a dad surrenders his life to Jesus, it's just a matter of time before the rest of the family is following Jesus. That's why when one friend in the group decides to say yes to Jesus, the rest of the group slowly begins to be attracted to what God is doing in that one person's life. And we have to be aware of this as the church because if we're not aware of what God wants to do through us, we will build our little walls, which is so convenient for offense, by the way. We will build our little walls and stay within it and limit what God can do while people all around us are in need of the very power of God that we know is available. But basically, we're just we're just blocking it all off from their life. And God's like, I put you in their life to affect them. And a lot of the unhappiness and lack of fulfillment you have isn't because of the people around you. It's because you have boxed yourself within yourself. Come on. That should have been a clapping point right there because that's the limit. That's the lid that we're fighting against. And we're mad at everybody else and everybody on the outside. Like, why are you mad at me, bro? Change your life. Open up. Go to an e-group. Get on the dream. I don't do that. Get in a group. Come on. Get in a group. It'll change your life. I thought there would be a little more applause from the people who signed up for a group right there. But that's okay. Don't clap now. Don't you dare clap now. What God wants to do in your life isn't just for you. It's for him and it's for them. This is Jesus and we. So watch this verse because I knew you'd need a verse right here. You're like, you better give me a verse to make this legit. I got one. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, it says this. He comforts us in all our trouble so that we can then comfort people in every kind of trouble through the comfort with which God comforts us beautiful you see what I'm saying he wants to comfort you but that's not the end with what he has comforted you with pass it on share it with someone else that person that says I don't know what to do I'm walking through this you've already been through it and they're like what do you think I should do don't sit there and say I don't know I remember when I walked through this this is what I did I called on the name of Jesus, and God brought some people into my life, and those people helped me to walk through. They stood with me. They gave me faith when I was falling apart. They helped me to walk through the hell, and now I'm on my way to heaven. You say, well, I, I, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I thought of a story that I wanted to share. Usually I'll tell my stories at the beginning, but today I'm going to share it at the end. I had this friend back in high school and college. His name was Micah. And um, Micah started driving before me. He had a little Honda CRX. Anybody know what a CRX is? Small little car. Smaller than a Civic. 
Civic's already small. CRX is smaller. And um, he had an ex-girlfriend that their family was building a house. And he thought it would be fun to go mud riding in the CRX late one night on the ex-girlfriend's property. And he sunk that car right about to the windows. Jesus, help me. Because that's an awkward situation. Not that you're stuck, but you're stuck at your ex-girlfriend's new construction site for their house. Like, how do you explain that? What are you doing here? Why are you here? That's just awkward. So he's crying out for help. Jesus, help me. I happen to not live too far away. And so... Jesus helped him get this car out of the mud by sending him a group of people to help lift the CRX out of the mud onto the firm ground. And I don't think our family knows that happened, but now if they listen to this, they will know. He needed a we to help him get out of the thing that he was stuck in because it was too much to carry by himself he needed some help he needed some people that can help him lift the burden and I would say this there are prayers that you're praying and you're waiting for the magic wand when God is simply just sending people into your life just sending people putting people right there in front of you that you just, because we're so bent on Jesus and me, we're missing the miracle that God is trying to do through Jesus and we. And we're staying stuck for a long time wondering, will God ever send help? And God is saying, I'm continually sending help. I'm sending my church. I'm sending my people to help lift you out of this thing that you're stuck in. Imagine if he said, no, I got this, guys. No, I don't need your help. No, he needed help. This thing was stuck. There's nine of us. Nine of us that picked up this car. It wasn't a heavy car. And we picked it up. It was amazing, though. By himself, it was too heavy. But with all of us, we lifted it. He couldn't do it alone. He needed some people to help him. You can't do it alone need some people to help you. And so today, I want you to consider what God will do through you when you come together with other believers. I want you to consider this. And consider that we're the church. We're the light of the world. This is what he said in Matthew. I think it's five or six. He says, you're the light of the world. He's talking to us. A city on a hill. We're that light that brings the hope of Jesus to all the world. And I remember I was a team pastor for my high school football team. This was years ago back in Louisiana. And there was a t-shirt that we had made. And on the back of the shirt, it said this. All of us is stronger than one of us. All of us is stronger than just one of us. And I believe that when we come together... It's not just added power, but it is multiplied power. 
And it's not just adding strength. It's multiplying the strength. It's multiplying the capabilities. It's multiplying the capacity. Can I say this about two services? This isn't just adding another service. But this is multiplying the church. This is multiplying the possibilities of what God can do in people's lives. Of what God can do in you. What God can do for you. What God can do through you. And there's testimonies on the other side of it. Of people that will walk into this room and say, at first, this is what God did for me. But then, he began to do something in me. The more I connected. The more I opened up. The more I went from Jesus and me to Jesus and we. And now, the thing that God was doing in me, he's doing in them. Because I simply decided Jesus and we. That is the power of the church. That is a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. It's not just somebody ministering to you because in Ephesians it tells us that he gave us apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints. Who that? Come on somebody. Drew Brees. I mean Anyway, I had a moment right there. That's tomorrow night. All right, back to back to this. Back to this. Get focused. Get focused. Now I lost my place. Anyway, he's equipping us, you, to do the work of the ministry. That's what he's doing. Washington says, "Get into places that I ain't gonna get into. To get onto that sports team. To get into that office." to get onto that job site, to get around that group of people, those guys who are fishing, those ladies on that weekend. God has set you up with friends and set you up in all these different places, not just for you to make a living and not just for you to live your quote-unquote best life, hashtag whatever you want to call it, but it's so that you can help them see the giver of life. Come on. When we all come together for His purpose, get past we, God begins to do some incredible things that turn around and bless me. It turns around and blesses you. That's why we say we're better together. That's why. Because when we come together, the potential of what God could do is so great. Two more come together in my name. Come on. Two more come together touching and agreeing. So watch this. When we join that e-group, we're saying, I know we can be better. That's why I'm joining. When we join that dream team, I know we can be better. We come together as we, the church, for a purpose of reaching a bunch of me's for Jesus. So here's my charge. Let's connect. Come on. Let's connect. Let's serve together. Let's give together. Let's be on mission to reach more people for Jesus. Amen? Let's come together. Let's not just invite. Let's bring people Let's say, hey, I want to bring you to church on Sunday, and afterwards there's a new restaurant I'll take you to. People do not turn down food. What they don't realize is they need some spiritual food. My charge to you today is don't just attend. Let's get connected. Let's come together as we to affect a lot of me's. And I believe if we have that kind of vision, that kind of heart, that kind of mindset, this is what begins to change people's lives. I'll finish with this. The story of David and Goliath, we love it because it's the underdog versus the champion. And of course, you know the story. He was a slingshot and a rock. 
takes down the giant. And he gets all the accolades for the victory. Do you know, though, by David defeating that giant, it enabled that whole entire army to win a battle. Because he defeated that giant, it set up so much success in a kingdom that was headed for failure. It was a Jesus and me moment that turned into a Jesus and we moment. And I believe there are some Jesus and me moments that can happen today in this room. But I need you to know they will turn from Jesus and me into Jesus and we. And when you invite him into your life, when you invite him into your boat, he helps you, watch this, to see bigger than what you've ever seen. You'll see bigger for yourself. In fact, if you're a dreamer in here, you want to dream big, invite Jesus into your life and your dreams will grow even bigger than what they are right now because he's the giver of dreams. Come on. So today I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because this is an invitation for those in here today and maybe Jesus isn't in your boat. Maybe you've been doing life alone. It's time for you today to open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, come in and fill my life. Maybe you're sinking, you're struggling, you're trying to do this all on your own, and you realize that you're so far away that you need a Savior. And that Savior's name is Jesus. And God is for you. He is not against you. He is not angry at you, but His hand of mercy and grace is reaching out to you today. And He's saying, I want to save you. I want to set your feet on solid ground today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Wade, I am away from God. I'm sinking, and I need to surrender my life today to Jesus. Allow him to be my Lord and Savior, my Lord, my friend, my King, my Deliverer. If that's you, I want you to just slip up a hand right now. Anyone else this morning? You're not the only one. Anyone else? Yeah, anyone else? You can put it down. I see it. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from God. I'm away. I got to come back. I see the hands. Anyone else would say, Pastor, pray for me today. God's moving in this place. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is so awesome because we pray this prayer every Sunday. And I want you all to look at me. We pray it as we, the church, we pray it together with every me. And I know it's not correct English. I know, but just roll with it. We pray this together for every individual that is in this room. Because that is the church. That is the family of God. Watch this. That is the army of God. Would you pray this prayer with me? Mean it with all your heart today. Say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me. That you would give your life to pay for all of my sins. Every wrong decision, everything that I've done wrong, whether it was accidental or on purpose, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come and fill my life and change my heart. I surrender my life to you today. And I make this decision that I will live my life your way. I'm all yours, Lord. Thank you for saving me. I confess that you're my Lord and you're my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together.